Proverbs 31, and we read in verse 10, it says this classic verse, a virtuous woman who can find she is more precious than jewels. How many have read that verse before? How many have heard that verse before? Okay. So I want to bring this into a new perspective, a fresh perspective that you probably have not heard before. And I want to just begin with this principle that um, we need to be sensitive and we need to be aware that um, about the message that we send to women about whether they're single or whether they are married regarding their value and their significance in God's kingdom. Because it's very easy in the Christian culture to project to a mom or a single person or a woman uh, their value that is not in agreement with what the scripture says. And one phrase that I think we've heard, I don't know if you've heard this or not, but it's, it's, it's said often that um, a woman's greatest fulfillment comes from being a wife or a mother. Now, the idea can be easily mistaken in Proverbs 31 that um, this chapter is only for married women, uh, not for single moms or for single women. When we look at motherhood or when we look at being a wife, uh, these are temporary roles. This, a person uh, is not a wife. Uh, they can be all of their life, most of their life. Uh, it could be that there is a period of time in their life where they're not a mom or a wife. Uh, life may happen where they're, where, not, where they're not in that role. And so we have to understand what's God's mind about who we are and that we would not derive our identity from our ro- role. Because if we are, as like Amber was saying, uh, my or your emotional health is going to be based on the status of your house and how clean everything is. And so we have to understand that our role, that I'm saying our, I'm not a mother, <laughs> But your role as a mother or your role as a single person or a woman is not based on your role in life Um, because these roles are temporary. Because like a wife or a mother um, or a single person, uh, these are roles that are temporary and they are not – and becoming a wife or becoming a mother is not the ultimate goal or is not the ultimate level of – success and godliness is that clear because um there's nothing that is there's nothing special that you need to be a godly in a marriage that you don't need to have in singleness is that clear mike are you getting that does that make sense to you guys that our value your value as a woman and i'm speaking to women today your value as a woman is not based in your role and it's not based in your, in your achievements. It really is based on who you are in Christ. And so no matter what a person's marital status is, uh, your value is not in what is a temporary role, which is wife or mother, but it is really who you are in Christ. So I just want to establish that this is one of the greatest lies that women deal with is that, okay, I was never married or I was never a mother or I was a mother and I, now I'm not a mother something happened, or I was a wife, but now I'm not a wife. And so we have these concepts that women have in their mind about their value coming from a role. How many women have ever experienced that? (laughs) You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm just throwing that out there, that women can very easily derive their value, can very easily derive their their self-worth in how they're doing in their role as a wife or a mother or a single mom. So that can be, and that is just, do not do that. Do not judge yourself. Do not evaluate yourself. And do not look at yourself 
based on how you're doing in the world's eyes. The world <clears throat> projects a uh, projects a concept or a picture of the successful woman, the great woman, the amazing woman, the amazing mother, the amazing wife, and it's a, it's a, something that they project. And I don't know if you've ever felt that, but it's something that you that moms and women can never ever attain to, even in the world. I mean, the world is not doing. How many how many moms do you know that don't know God that are doing a great job keeping up with that? Well, it doesn't last very long. Because after a while, it gets old, and it gets unbearable, and it becomes impossible. Because it's not truth. It's not divine truth. And so your value is not in your role. Okay, Your value as a person is not in your is not. And this can go towards men, but we're talking to women today. That your value is not in your role, because that can change. Life changes. If my value was in who I was as a pastor or something like that, then... I think, I'd be a, I think I'd be an emotionally unhealthy person because that can change. Things change. Churches change. Situations change. Our value as a person needs to be based on who we are in Jesus Christ. And whatever God's sovereign plan is, whether it's motherhood, wifehood, or not, okay, we do not derive our value from our roles. Because if we do that in marriage, if I look at my wife or my wife looks at me as who I'm supposed to be in my role— that can put a lot of pressure that is, not, that is unwarranted and not unnecessary in marriage, okay? All right, the second thing I just want to say is, is, what is Proverbs 31 celebrating? How many of you have read through Proverbs 31, okay? How many have read through that and looked at it like, nope? <laughs> I don't know about you guys. I read through it, and I thought, I, don't, I mean, I, that's amazing right there. That's an incredible chapter, and when you look at that chapter, I know there's some women that read that and they just walk away like shaking their head like that does not fit me. Uh, or they, they try to attain that in some way as a measure of successful motherhood and godliness and they just don't measure up. Or anyone in this, in this, uh, in this world can look at that and just say, I don't. But look at, wait, let's look at the first line of Proverbs 31. And Proverbs 31 is a poem. And it says, a, a virtuous woman, and that really should be translated wife, who can find it? The translation there, and this is shocking when you look at this in the original Hebrew, it's better translated this way. A woman of valor, who can find? A woman of valor. Okay, that Hebrew word there is used uh, sometimes for men in the masculine, which means a mighty man or a great man or, a, or an incredibly str- a powerful man that you can read, great men of the Old Testament. This verse here in Proverbs chapter 31 is not talking about the ideal person. This is talking about a woman of valor. Do you know what that word valor means? Valor is a word that, that is not about what a person does, but it's about what a person, who a person is and how they do it. Valor is a way of thinking. Val- valor in Hebrews chapter 11, the word valor for us <clears throat> as a uh, as a New Testament believer, valor means a person that walks in faith or a person that just gets up by faith in the morning and moves forward and just believes like, like we were singing that song this morning, I need thee every hour. <clears throat> and if your Christianity is not that, <clears throat> it's going to be. You need God every hour. Okay, sometimes we think, okay, God, I put that at the cross. I've left that there. And why do I have to keep dealing with this every day? Because the cross is a daily cross. We need to forgive people on a daily basis. We think we've forgiven people, but then the next day comes and we're like, oh, I'm still struggling with that. 
we need to take our cross up daily and forgive on a daily basis. And that daily turns into an hourly. I don't know if you're on a, an hour-to-hour walk with God, but you could be doing great in the morning, and in the afternoon you're crashing in your faith. You're just having a, a faith crisis. An hour-by-hour hour walk with Jesus Christ, that's spiritual maturity. And that's what motherhood is, is, is isn't it? That's what, uh, that is what a life is as a woman. So a woman, a woman, a virtuous woman is better translated in the, in the Hebrew to as a woman of valor, a woman that walks by faith. How many of you had to walk by faith this week? Not by sight. When you're, <laughs> you know, it's when sight is not complementing what you see. It's, a, it's like, okay, God, I believe this, but I, by sight, that sight is not complementing what, what I'm thinking right now. And sight is not complementing what your promises say. Ever been there? Okay. God, like, okay, Jesus shows up. Here is, here is Mary. She is unmarried. Uh, she's married, but she's engaged, but she has not, they, they have not had the wedding yet, and here she is pregnant with Jesus. How does that look in the eyes of the world? Okay, and this is the son of God. God could, he could have probably done it a little differently for a better reputation. No, God does things in a totally different way than we think, and that's why we need to exercise faith in what we're doing and what we do. Don't look at your life. Sometimes we are walking on water in our life, and, we, and, and then we try to step back and when somebody says I need to step back and reassess, that's a dangerous statement for me because it tells me it, it can mean this. It can mean that we were walking by faith, but now we're not. We're stepping back. We're getting back into the boat, and we're looking at Jesus walking in the water, and we're going to assess that by sight. Don't assess your life by sight. Don't assess your life by what you can see. Assess, assess it by the promises of God. Amen? Assess what you're doing. Assess what we're doing as a church. Assess what you're doing in your business from the perspective of valor, walking by faith, okay? Hebrews chapter 11, are these amazing people that had it all together in their life, sinless, without mistakes? No, you read some of those people in there and you're like, wow, I can't even believe that that person made it in the Hebrews chapter 11 Hall of Fame. So whatever you do as a mom, as a single person, as a woman, I texted someone this morning and I said, you know something, happy Mother's Day. They're not even married, they're not even a mom. And I said, I'm saying this because... You're a spiritual mom to a lot of people. So whatever you do, wherever God has put you in as a woman, do it by, do it by faith. Do it, from a, do it from the perspective as a woman of valor. Because when you walk by faith and sight is not complementing what you think should be happening or the timetable that you think it should be happening by, don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Because when you want to throw in that towel, then just get around other, other women of valor and get built up. This is what makes a Proverbs 31 woman. It's not, it's, not, it's not a woman that's created a life that is worthy of a Pinterest board. That you can post on Pinterest and say, wow, I want to be like that person. When people looked at the life of Christ or when they looked at the life of Jesus' mother, what was their first thought? Do I want to be like this mother? Do I want to be like this person? So, so that's the second thing. Proverbs 31 celebrates a woman of valor. And so therefore, we're not trying to, as a, you're not trying as a woman, trying to um, meet some kind of uh, super godly moral um, quality that we are reading in, in Proverbs 31. A virtuous woman, the woman that's being talked about in Proverbs 31 is a woman that's walking by faith in whatever stage she is in life. 
And so the last thing I want to bring up, and I want to spend a few minutes on this, is the other woman of Proverbs 31. What does that mean, the other woman of Proverbs 31? Well, it's the Proverbs 31 woman that you probably are not going to hear a lot about. I personally have never heard a Mother's Day message about this person I'm about to talk about. And I was going to talk about Hannah, but, uh, and that's what I told everybody, but that's changing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to another chapter, and that's what happens. Like, I know some pastors have their, their messages planned out months in advance. I can't do that. Because if I get up here and I, I give you some old manna, some spiritual fast food, you're going to tell, okay, that's really crusty. I heard that message three years ago. Are we going to hear that again? And it's the same notes, the same points. So, I, I, so I, last night I just started processing this, and, and this is what, I, this is what um, really impacted me. Look at the woman Ruth. I want to look at Ruth for a few minutes. Ruth. How many know about Ruth? How many have read the story of Ruth? How many have read the book of Ruth? It's a great little book to read through. It's, it's so heart-stirring, and it's so moving. And I want to talk about Ruth. She is the other woman that you don't read about in Proverbs chapter 31. She's a woman that is very interested. Let me, let's, let me just remind us about who she was, okay? She was a destitute foreigner, okay? She was not from Israel. She was a Gentile, okay? She's a Gentile. She's an unclean Gentile, Ruth, okay? The great woman, okay? The woman that was responsible for the, for the line of David and then, then the Messiah is in her line, Okay? Not only was that, but she was a Moabitess. Do you know who Moab was historically? Okay. Moab was um, a descendant. Moab and Ammon, their mothers okay, were, were two sisters that had an incestuous relationship with their father, Lot, and they gave birth to Moab and Ammon. Wow. Okay, great, God. That's, what a great person you're choosing to be in the line of Christ. Okay. Any Jew that can read the genealogy of Matthew chapter 1 is going to be like, they're going to be smacked in the face understanding that who are these people? This is a, this is a Moabitess. This is Ruth. And this is a, there's a whole book written about her. And so she is a Moabitess. Okay, what is a Moabitess? Who are they? And what, what they, she grew up as a pagan. They, the Moabites worshiped two gods. And these two gods were, one of them was Moloch, and the other one was the fertility god. These were terrible gods. If you ever want to read just some hair-raising stuff, there was child sacrifice going on. There was just unbelievable craziness going on in the Moabite religion, and that's how she grew up. She grew up in a very pagan, demonic background. This is Ruth. Okay, this is Ruth. Her life did not look anything like a Proverbs 31 woman, did it? Initially, no, it did not. Ruth didn't spend her days making clothes for her husband. Okay. She had no husband. She was widowed. <laughs> she was widowed. Okay. Ruth's children didn't rise up and call her blessed. She was childless. Okay. Ruth didn't spend her days exchanging fine linens, as it says in Proverbs 31, with the merchants and keeping an immaculate home. She worked all day in the sun, gleaning leftovers from other people's fields, which was a provision made for the poorest of the poor in Israel. She was on welfare. Okay. She was on the welfare of all welfare. She was on the bottom of the pile, probably, of amazing women based on what, how the world looks at women. And she was a Gentile. And so we know the story. She, she, um, if we back up a little bit, Ruth is married to uh, a son of Naomi. Naomi is Jewish. 
Naomi was married to a guy named Elimelech. And he, uh, he and, and Naomi, with their two sons, leave Israel because times are hard, and they move to Moab because life is better there. Moab was a cursed land. It was just a place that Jews should not be in. Are, are you following what I'm saying? It's the, other side, it's the other side of the other side of the other side of the tracks. It is like way out there. And so Elimelech and his wife Naomi make a decision as a married couple to leave God's plan or God's country of Israel and to go into Moab. All right. And so they have two boys. They have two boys. And these two boys, of course, are Jew, Jewish, yet they live in Moab and they marry into two Moabite women, Ruth and Oprah. Or Orpah. I said Oprah. <laughs> Orpah. They, so they're sisters and sister-in-laws. So tragedy happens. Elimelech dies. Naomi is a widow. Then her two sons die. Can you imagine what this woman Naomi is dealing with? Her husband dies, and shortly after that, both of her sons die. And so now she is alone. She's a widow, and she has two, these two daughter-in-laws that are not even from the same country as she is. As she goes, she says to them, and so listen to this. Naomi and Elimelech. They probably are a good representation of just believers that are just so outside of the, the geographical will of God that they just hurt. Naomi's confession is just a confession of negativity and just unbelief. She goes, you know what? God has, dealt un, God has dealt unfairly with me, has dealt bitterly with me. My name is no longer Naomi. My name is bitterness. I don't know if you've, you're a woman and you've ever wanted to name yourself bitterness because of the things that have happened to you. Here is Ruth. She's not even a believer yet. Here's a woman that... Uh, worship these other two gods, Chemosh, Molech, and all these other crazy gods. And now she's looking at the God of Naomi, and she's thinking, who is this God of Israel? And why is, they, why is he not feeding the Israelites? And why are they here? And why are they? There's a lot of questions. And I think that there can be those kind of questions. And so Ruth here and Orpah see Naomi, and Naomi says, I'm going back home. That's it. I'm throwing in the towel. I'm going back home. I'm going back to... Because you know why? Because we, we read in the book of Ruth that Naomi says that there's a revival going on back in Bethlehem. She was from Bethlehem. She's, um, Naomi is from Bethlehem, and, that, and that's where her family was. And she goes, God is doing something back home in, in Bethlehem, and we're going to come home. I just want to say something about that, a little off topic. Do you know something? When God moves in a, in a group of people, people that are out there are going to want to come home. You know, people coming home is not, it's not about um, guilting people back into the church. When God is moving, when there is something that's legitimately happening in the midst of a group of people, then that is attractive. People want to be a part of that because God is doing something. And it says that God was moving, and then it says that God was feeding his people. And so there was something happening there. And so Naomi says, okay, we're going to go back. I'm going to go back. I want you girls to stay here. This is your home. I don't have any sons to give you. I'm too old to have any more sons to give you as husbands. You stay here. Both of them say, no, we're going to come with you. Orpah and Ruth are heading back with Naomi. Orpah changes her mind, says, you know what? I love you, um, gives her a kiss, and then goes back home. And, and, she's, and she says to, to Ruth, Ruth, you leave too. There's no reason for you to come back with me. Ruth says it says in the it says in the book of Ruth it says that Ruth clung to Naomi. Okay, here is a bitter mother-in-law, a mother-in-law that is not happy, that is negative, probably is complaining all day. She's an older woman that is just not a happy believer. Ruth says, "No, 
your God will be my God. Isn't that amazing? What's going on in Ruth's mind? Ruth is seeing something. She's hearing about what God is doing in Israel. And so here Ruth is becoming, she becomes, it's amazing how people can become believers in, the, in, the, uh, in, the, uh, in an environment where there is just such poor uh, representation of who God is. And so Ruth and Naomi go back to Bethlehem and then and she, she takes on a job. They're just extremely poor. She takes on a job where she's gleaning in the fields. And if you read about it, um, there was a concern about Ruth's welfare because here's Ruth, a Gentile, coming from Moab. Jews hated Moab, Moabites. They just were not great people. The, uh, she's a foreigner, she's, and she's got the lowest of the low jobs. And so I wonder, I wonder how her self-image is doing at that point. She had, she had a husband. She was young. She was beautiful, it says. But now she's poor. She's working in a field, and she's working all day except for a short break. And we know the story. The story happens is that there's a man, Boaz, that sees her, uh, sees that she's not chasing the young guys, but she is, uh, uh, she's in the fields and she's gleaning. And, she, and Boaz, who is, speaks of Christ, a picture of Christ, finds, uh, finds favor on her, sees her and sees something about her that nobody else can see. And we see here in uh, Ruth, the book of Ruth, chapter 3, verse 11, that um, Boaz is attracted to her not because of anything else. She was, she was a widow. She was a Moabite. She was a Gentile. She was poor. She was not famous. She was not rich. She was not a very successful person and probably didn't have a great self-image. Yet Boaz falls in love with her. And this is what Boaz says. Even before that she's married, he says this to her before she has a child, and she says, he says this to her before she is in any way an amazing person. And, she's, and he says this about her. All the people of my town know, in verse 11 of chapter 3 of Ruth, that you are a woman of noble character. Everybody knows that you're a woman of character. You may be poor. You may be a foreigner. Life may not be going for good for you. But everybody knows that you're a woman of character. And you know what that word there is used in the Hebrew? A woman of valor. Those are the exact same words that we read uh, in Proverbs chapter 31. Boaz says to Ruth, you are a woman of valor. You know what? Faith, when you walk by faith, that's attractive. That's beautiful. When you take steps, when you make decisions based on convictions in your life that are not the convictions of the world, that's attractive. That's beautiful. That's like, I want to say that's sexy. I want to say that in a very sacred way. That's very beautiful. That's like incredible. That's that is like, that is amazing to God. The way the world defines a woman is so opposite of the way God looks at mighty women of God. A mom or, a, or a, a single mom or wherever you're at. Because when we walk by faith in our life, that is, that is very scary to the devil. I just want to give you some encouragement as I close. Romans chapter 1 verse 17. How is the righteousness of God revealed? When you read that verse, what, how is that? How is the righteousness of God revealed? How would you answer that? Well, you got to give me if you're good, you're moral, you do this, you do that. That's how the righteousness of God is revealed. No. Romans chapter 1, verse 17 says, how is the righteousness of God revealed? How is it revealed? Let me just, I know you guys know that verse. The righteousness of God is revealed by what? Faith to faith. Read that verse. 
Romans chapter 1. It's written, book of Romans was written to Gentiles. It was written to Americans. It was written to Texans. It was written to us. The righteousness of God in your life is revealed not because you're an amazing person, you've got your life all together, that, that you're wealthy, that you're smart, and that you are beautiful, that you're meeting all the, che- that you're checking off all the points in Proverbs chapter 31. The righteousness of God is revealed in your life. And if you get anything out of this message, I want you to get this. The righteousness of God is revealed in your life when you walk by faith. When sight is not complementing what is happening in your life, the decisions that you're making right now. Amen? Think of that. Because the, the righteousness of God, right, what is righteousness? That's a big word that just means the way God does things in heaven. God's modus operandi. The integrity of God. The way God judges situations. The way God rewards people. The righteousness of God is the way God does things in heaven. It's the uniform that all of heavenly, that all heavenly citizens are wearing. That is the righteousness of God. And how is that revealed? How does that play out and how does that translate into day-to-day life? When you and I take steps of faith like Ruth, we say, you know something? The sovereignty of God had to... Had my husband had to die, my sister-in-law's husband had to die, my father-in-law had to die, my mother-in-law became a very negative Christian. Have you ever seen them? Just people that they're just negative. They're just that life has happened and they are just have had it. And what does Ruth do? Ruth moves forward and says, you know something? There's something that I'm seeing and that I'm hearing that that is speaking to me, and that is that God is doing something in Bethlehem. God is doing something in Bethlehem. And the sovereignty of God in your life sometimes looks pretty poor. It's like, this, this is crummy. <laughs> this stinks. You know what I'm saying? It's like, this really stinks. And it's been like this for years. But can I tell you something? You are you. You are Ruth. Because the day is coming when all of those dreams are going to come true. The day is coming when, when all those answers to prayer are going to happen. Because there's a sovereign plan. And it requires you and I to take steps of faith as moms, as women, as single people, or wherever you are. Because Proverbs 31 is not just talking about wives, and it's not only talking about moms, it's talking about women of valor. Because we see that in the beginning of Proverbs 31, verse 10, a woman of valor. And so that's my prayer for us as moms, to you as moms, is that you would not judge yourself based on your role and how you're doing with your role. That number two, you would not judge yourself from a moralistic standard that does not agree with Proverbs 31. I mean, that does not agree with, with the walking by faith. And then lastly, that you and I, that you as moms would take steps of faith, walk as a woman of valor, because that's how the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And when the righteousness of God is revealed through your life, that is when the devil, and that's when the, the kingdom of the devil is, is in real time defeated on a daily, hourly basis. Amen? So that's my, that's my message for you moms. Happy Mother's Day. And uh, let's just close in prayer. Heavenly Father.